on today's Padone, my take, we get you guys ready for Super Bowl 55 on Sunday. That's right, special episode today, Super Bowl preview, going to go through all that, predictions, hot takes, player props, prop bets that are outrageous, so much more. Going to wrap up the NFL season and do some head coaching grades. Obviously, here locally in Cleveland, we didn't have to make any coaching hires, which is a little bit of a change of pace than what we're used to. NFL season wrap up, give you my takes on that and all the trends around the world of sports. But first, the Super Bowl week is here, which means football season is actually coming to a close. It comes and goes so fast every year, but it means springtime and baseball are right around the corner. So you know what you need to do dugout mugs. Imagine opening day comes around and you don't have your dugout mug ready to go with a cold brew to enjoy all the games all day long. Couldn't be me. I'm in the dugout and I want you guys to be in the dugout too. Real handcrafted baseball bats hollowed out and engraved with your team's favorite logo on there. Must have item for every baseball season that's every baseball fan too that's eager to get their favorite sport underway. I know I'm excited to get the tribe back underway from the corner of Carnegie, Ontario. I'm excited to watch the rest of the teams too. For my Clevelanders, visit dugoutmugs.com slash big play to view their entire Cleveland Indians collection today. The tribe won't be the tribe for much longer. That's dugoutmugs.com slash big play. I'm in the dugout. You should be too dugoutmugs.com slash big play without further ado let's do it all righty welcome on in padone my take bigplay.com we're streaming live periscope facebook live youtube and of course our generous hosts over at Big Play for a very special episode today. Happy Super Bowl week to everyone watching the stream today. I'm your host, Nick Padone, that's going to be hanging out with you all for the next though, hour or so. We're going to have some fun here until around 9 o'clock. You, you could also listen to us on demand, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Appreciate our on demand listeners as well. Feel free to go give us a subscribe on there. I can't believe that football season's here. Remember the conversations that we had on these airwaves, arguing, fighting, scratching, clawing to get football season back. You know, with the masks, with the COVID testing, with the new collective bargaining agreement, it seemed like such a long shot for football to be able to happen in 2020 and into 2021. But here we are at the end of the way, and there was cancellations, there was COVID cases, there was controversies with, you know, coaches wearing masks, coaches not wearing masks. But somehow, for, for the betterment of all of us, for, for the being entertained on every Thursday, Sunday, Monday night, football happened, and it, it really went off with, dare I say, without a hitch, like, Football season happened way more seamlessly than what I could have ever expected. So I'm very grateful. I'm glad that we made it to Super Bowl Sunday. We're going to get into some Super Bowl Sunday stuff. I'm surprised that we made it this far, but I want to go on the record right now and saying this could be one of the best Super Bowls ever. Like All the marks of a good Super Bowl are right in front of us for this one. 
And I had the same inkling at the Super Bowl that I covered Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta, Georgia, two years back now. Uh, New England Patriots versus LA Rams. Jared Goff played in that Super Bowl. At the time, Sean McVay was the new offensive-minded genius, young head coach. His first time around the block versus Bill Belichick. That was the you know real storyline going into that game, and it didn't pan out. Like that Super Bowl actually sucked, despite all the anticipation that went into it, all the media week fanfare, you know, the coach interviews with McVay being so young and Bill kind of strutting down memory lane. It was also Bill's last year on that contract. So there was questions of, could this be Bill Belichick's last game? And he didn't want to touch any of that. Obviously, none of that happened. The the game itself wasn't that good. But I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to call my shot now and say that this Super Bowl is going to be one of the greatest ever. All the storylines are right in front of you. The first being the biggest, that it's the young goat, It's Patrick Mahomes, who's the up-and-coming quarterback in the National Football League that's already a a, a star. There's conversations of if Patrick Mahomes retired today, would he be in Canton? And I'm not sure I'm ready to make that debate and ready to have that conversation, but Patrick Mahomes' better days of football are still in front of him, and he's already accomplished so much. Versus the old goat, versus Tom Brady, the guy that's been around the block. He's done this before, an extremely high level, played in nine Super Bowls, and you know, into this one on Sunday. That's the big storyline. Then you've also got other smaller storylines that develop along the way. Tom Brady's new team. How much of that did we make? We made so much of that this offseason where who needs each other more? Does Bill need Brady more? Maybe Brady needs Bill more. We were having those conversations when Tom was really struggling early this season. Couldn't really get his footing in Tampa. And here he is in another Super Bowl. I said on this air, you know, a couple weeks ago, probably four or five weeks ago when Brady and the Bucks, after their late bye week finally looked like they were trending in the right direction they were playing some inferior competition and I said man I would not let Tom Brady get hot this late in the season because we know it will result in a Super Bowl run and surely enough he's back in another Super Bowl it's insane the man is in his 40s and you know, we, we could have the conversation, is Tom Brady still an elite quarterback? I think f- physically, the diminished skills show up from time to time again. You know, th- the lack of arm strength is there at times. At other times, he could show you that he could still uncork one. We saw that ball before half in the NFC Championship game that he absolutely unleashed to Bowling Green's own Scotty Miller for a touchdown. And it's like, Tom Brady looks like he's 19 years old here throwing this football. But then there's times where the older Tom creeps in. Something that I'm going to look for in this game, especially against the Chiefs, who are such a well-rounded football team. Defensively, obviously, they're not as good as they are. Offensively, their offense is what is to write a home about in regards to the Kansas City Chiefs. But I'm curious to see how Tom Brady mind games this game. That's how Tom Brady wins football games, and he has for the last five years or so, and it's worked. Just making smart decisions, controlling time of possession. He beats you with his mind, and I'm so curious to see how Brady could do that against the Chiefs because they're the most well-rounded football team that's played in a very long time. Another storyline to look into, 
as we prepare for Sunday's Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is reportedly 99% back from that turf toe injury that he suffered. We're going to have a healthy Mahomes versus a healthy Brady. And that's what everybody wants, right? You want to watch the Super Bowl and the star players in the Super Bowl at their healthiest. Supposedly, Antonio Brown is nearing health as well. He was able to practice today on Wednesday. Here's something that I want to very much watch out for as it occurs to the Chiefs. Their offensive line is banged up. There's injuries to both tackles, whether it be ruptured Achilles, whether it be other injuries. And then their starting center is trying to claw his way out of COVID-19 protocols. It sounds like that might not happen going to be one of those situations that we have to watch and monitor as we go into the Super Bowl on Sunday. There's a lot going on on that Chiefs offensive line. Not to mention the Chiefs running game all year long has been underwhelming at best. And that's something that I spoke about very much before the divisional round of the NFL playoffs that Clyde Edwards, Elaire, Le'Veon Bell, these guys are good, but are those the running backs that you could rely on through the Super Bowl. And really on the inverse, Tom Brady and the Bucks have the same thing. Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. You don't know what you're going to get in either of those guys on any given night. So definitely it's going to be interesting to see. I think it's going to be like an air raid Super Bowl, which is something that we've really never seen a game where they go all out, throw it like crazy. It's a home Super Bowl for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. First home Super Bowl of the 55 that have been played. And there are thunderstorms in the forecast, which is so interesting to me that two teams that neither of them have great success running the football, not saying that they cannot run the football because both of these teams are capable of that there's storms in the forecast. So are we going to see each of these quarterbacks throw the ball 40-plus times? We're going to get into some of the outrageous prop bets as we go through the show into the NFL whip. But there's so many storylines that go into this game. And hopefully next week when I crack this mic, same bat time, same bat channel, Apple Pods, Spotify, you guys know the deal. We're talking about the best Super Bowl possibly of all time. Because I think when you have Patrick Mahomes in his prime going up against Tom Brady, who's scratching and clawing to win more championships at the end of his career to prove that he's the GOAT on a new team, I I just feel like I have to put it out there that we're in for a really good Super Bowl, a high-scoring Super Bowl, even though really history shows us that that's not the way these games go. More of the time, lower scoring, good defensive plays, offenses take a while to get clicking, they're really trying to feel the other team out. This week, I'm not sure that that's going to be the case in Tampa Bay. It's a Week 12 rematch. We got to mention that. Both of these teams did play each other in Week 12 where the Chiefs came out on top 27-24. That was the last time that this Buccaneers team has lost was Week 12. I I believe that was right after their bye week. Now they're... So they had the bye week. They had that hiccup against the Chiefs who are a very good game. They've... The Chiefs have won 12 straight outside of the Chargers game where they set their starters. 12 in a row is so impressive. And the one loss was that fluky loss to the Vegas Raiders. I'm very confident in the Chiefs. But 
this time of the year, it's so, so, so difficult to bet against Tom Brady, especially because now it seems like finally he's adjusted to this new system. Dare I say the the system and what Bruce Arians and Brian Leftwich have been able to do have adapted to Tom Brady. And they're relying on the running game. They're relying on the legs of Leonard Fournette. Let's get into that. Let's get into the keys of the game of the Super Bowl for both teams. If you're the Kansas City Chiefs, your biggest key of this game needs to be your defensive line. Chris Jones, those guys need to get after Tom Brady. He was pressured only three times in the NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers. Two of those pressures resulted in interceptions. If the Chiefs can get after Brady early and often defensively, they will be able to win this football game because we know what that offense is capable of. Even against the great Bucks defense, and I do believe that their defense is great this year, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins should be healthy. Clyde Edwards Elaire could bring you surprises out of the backfield. That offense with Patrick Mahomes is loaded. So as long as the pass rush for the Chiefs doesn't give Tom Brady all day to throw, like we've seen in the last how many Super Bowls that Tom Brady has played in, the Bucks could be in for a long day. But on the inverse, the Buccaneers offensively need to play their smartest football game of the year. You cannot have Tom Brady turning the ball over three times in this football game. Rather, we need to see the efficient Tom Brady that we know is in there somewhere. The Tom Brady that's making the safe middle of the field throws to Antonio Brown, letting him get first yard, first down yardage on his leg. Same with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Bucks offense is loaded too. That's the reason why Tom went there. My biggest key for Tampa Bay though is use playoff Lenny. Use Leonard Fournette the same way that Josh McDaniels would during Tom's time back in Green Bay. That's my biggest key. If you throw to Fournette out of the backfield, if you give him goofy screen passes, get him in space where he doesn't have to read defensive coverages and where it's very easy for him to detect his own hole, and Leonard Fournette will do quite well for the Buccaneers going into this game. I'm excited to see how it goes out. We do have a Twitter poll up on the Padone My Take Twitter. As always, you could tweet the show at Nick Padone 12 is my Twitter. At Padone My Take is the show. Go up there and vote. Who do you think wins Super Bowl in Tampa Bay? We got the Bucks. We got the Chiefs. Go give it a vote on Twitter. In the meantime, let's get into the NFL whip presented by our generous hosts at BigPlay.com. You hear me talk about BigPlay all the time because they're our generous, generous website that allows us to broadcast this show every Wednesday, but they are so much more than Padone My Take. They have In the Backfield with Peyton Hillis, Keith Migra, Big Play Reflog Show, hilarious, awesome, well-produced show on Monday nights. Shows like this, live, video, interactive sports talk almost every night of the week. Go check them out. Go give them a follow on social media at BigPlay underscore com to never miss a beat on what's happening in the Cleveland sports scene and beyond. BigPlay.com is the home for all that. 
It's time for the NFL whip. I cannot believe I am heartbroken that this is our last one of the season until we get into fall of 2021. Feels weird. We picked a lot of games this year, and it will be a segment that carries through. But uh, we're going to do this differently this time. Obviously, there's only one game to pick. It is the Chiefs. It is the Bucks. It is the Super Bowl. We're going to get into some prop bets because we have some hilarious, hilarious odds that you could go and bet on. Everything from who scores first to what color Gatorade will be poured on the team's winning as coach. I love these things. I-, I think they get funnier every year. You know, will- National Anthem length is the big one that people will be watching for from the start of the game and so you could bet on the final score like they have every variable on here that you could bet on you could bet on 27 24 all the way to the worst odds plus 17,500 Tampa Bay 36 Kansas City 35 in the words of Kevin Malone from the office if anyone gives you a thousand to one odds on anything you take it. I'm curious to see what that would be. So if Tampa Bay has 36 and Kansas City has 35 and that's the final score, you put five bucks on that. A $5 bet would collect $880. So all you have to do is put down five bucks. You win 880. That's hilarious. I'm not telling you guys to do that because I am not a betting man myself. But if I was, maybe a $2 wager on there wouldn't be that bad. Obviously, you could bet on MVP, but let's get into some of the crazier stuff. How many songs will be played during the halftime show? This has been one of the worst marketed halftime shows maybe ever. I didn't even know up until a week or two ago when they started doing that goofy commercial with Pepsi with the weekend driving into the stadium. I didn't even know that the weekend was like doing the halftime show this year. And I'm not a weekend fan. Like I'm aware of his music and I listened to it before and passing in different playlists. And when he has a hit out there, I'll listen to it. I'm not an avid, like diehard weekend fan, but I had no idea that he was performing the Super Bowl this week. Um, how many songs will be played during the halftime show over eight or under eight? Ah, that's tough. I'm going to go ahead and have to say under eight. I don't know if the weekend is a big enough like performer that he could do over eight. You see, you know, sometimes artists, especially the more well-known ones that have been around for a while, you know, seventies bands, eighties bands that go out there and crank out 30 45 seconds of a song and get the crowd fired up but they pretty much perform just the chorus and then they go into another one of their hit songs i don't know if the weekend is there yet if you bet the under on that which of course you're never supposed to bet the under according to betting friends and people who do this type of thing frequently five dollars only wins you seven dollars and fifty cents maybe one to stay away from if you are into betting But then it gets crazier. The weekend wardrobe changes. You could actually place money on that. How many times will the weekend change his clothes during the set? Um, Over on that is a half. Under is a half. I'm betting the over. I think Super Bowl performances nowadays, especially when some of it is pre-recorded. You know, the entrance into the stadium is sometimes a pre-recorded deal that's just made for TV and not made for the people in audience. I think we're going to see over one half of a change for the weekend. Probably two wardrobe changes. 
Could even be more than that. Over a half for sure. Will Ariana Grande be on stage during the halftime show? We're, we're definitely like stuck in the halftime shows of these prop bets. I don't think Ariana Grande will be on there. That's obviously the favorite. Will Drake be on stage during the ha- halftime show again? I don't think Drake will be there with The weekend. If anything, I-, I think Drake would have been the headliner in that situation and not vice versa. There's all kinds of stuff, though. You could bet on MVP winner's position. That, that has to be quarterback, right? Sometimes it's like the, any, you know, the defensive position. You could put a... Bet on that. Any defensive position is an option. A $1 bet on that gives, would pay $6.50. I guess if the Bucks won, you know, either that Levante David, Devin White, their linebackers are really good. Antoine Winfield Jr., the safety, if he's healthy and plays, which he should on Sunday, that's the type of player that could win a Super Bowl MVP defensively. But I just told you guys that this is going to be an offensive Super Bowl. There's going to be some points put up. And if that's the case, it's probably going to be a quarterback or a receiver. We saw Julian Edelman win Super Bowl MVP. So nothing would really surprise me. Who will sing the most words in the national anthem? Eric Church or Jasmine Sullivan? How do you even know that? Like some of these, it's like, how would you even like, that's the same thing with the Gatorade. It's kind of easy to assume because like, if it's the chiefs, you would think they're either, they're going to pour red Gatorade on Andy Reid because they're the team that's going to be in red. If it's the bucks, it probably also could be red, but it could be white. You never know. Actually, last year, the Chiefs dumped orange Gatorade I saw online on Andy Reid after the Super Bowl. So that's one that could be, like, tampered with. That's why I don't get into this betting stuff. Because, like, what if the guy that's in charge of making the Gatorade, and it's his job in Raymond James Stadium to sit in there and stir it up. Both of these teams were red. This is the first ever Super Bowl where both teams were red. Bucks will be wearing white. They're 5-0 and in their white jerseys this season. That's an important thing to point out. And the Chiefs will presumably be wearing their red. What if the guy that's, like, sitting there and stirring the Gatorade is, like, I could easily quit this job today. I'm going to put my life savings on purple, which is one of the underdog options, and just load this stuff up with purple Gatorade, stirs it up, puts the lid on it, and surely enough, when the celebration happens, purple is splashing on the coach, and this guy is rich off of a goofy Super Bowl prop bet. That's probably illegal. If that happened, that guy would definitely be fired But do you have to give the money back? Like, does sports betting work like insider trading? I'm not too sure. If you know, tweet me at NickPadone12. I obviously don't work for either of these teams or any team at all. So I'm not going to be doing that. But it, it is weird. Like... That, that could happen. That is one that's like very easy to be tampered with. I also, I guess like Jasmine Sullivan, who will be singing the national anthem, she could put money on herself. No, like I could crank through the national anthem in two minutes. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light and just crank through super fast. And then you bet the under and you make all this kind of money. I don't know. Am I the first person to think of this? Am I playing 4D chess with Bovada prop bets right now? I might be. I'm not sure. Um, There's so, so, so many. Time remaining on the clock after first score in the first quarter. If you're betting on that, get some help. 
I, I don't know, and we've had so many people leave since I started singing. So if you stuck with us this far past my singing of the national anthem, I greatly appreciate you. Time remaining in the clock after the first score in the first quarter. I would assume if it's a high-scoring Super Bowl, it would be like sooner. You know, the sooner you like, there would be a lot of time left. I don't know. There's so many prop bets, though. You guys can go check them out for yourself. I don't live in a state. Shout out my good friend, good guy. <laughs> I say facetiously, Mike DeWine. Uh, yeah, sports betting, not legal in Ohio. So if you're outside of Ohio, if you're in a state where things like this are legal, go put a fun bet on there. It, just keep yourself entertained throughout Super Bowl Sunday. I found the liquid that's poured on the game-winning coach. Like I said, purple has the worst odds at 13000 If you bet 5 bucks on purple and it's purple, you win 65 bucks. So imagine if the Gatorade guy, the guy that sits in there and mixes it up, say his you know entire bank account, he's got a house payment, he's got a car payment, but he's got, say, probably seventy-five grand sitting in the bank that he's willing to wager because he understands that he controls the outcome of this wager if that's legal and of course he doesn't care if he gets fired if he makes that purple gatorade on a $75,000 bet he would win $975,000 and he would never have to work again a day in his life again I don't know if that's legal if it is or if it's not tweet me at Padone my take I don't know the gatorade guy that will be in Tampa on Sunday anyways if he's listening to this don't seek legal my legal advice because I know nothing. Let's get into that Twitter poll. It's time for our weekly Twitter poll. Who do you guys think comes out of Super Bowl 55 on top? I'm picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Too much Tom Brady in this Super Bowl. Give me the bucks. I want to hear from you. Tweet the show at Take. Go vote on that poll. We read the results and your tweets next. You're listening to Take on BigPlay.com. Stay with us. Alrighty, welcome back in Padone My Take, BigPlay.com. Appreciate you guys sticking with us through that short break. Hopefully, you were able to go vote on Twitter at Padone My Take. Who do you think will come out of Super Bowl 55 on top? I just went on the record. I'm going with the underdog. I'm picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think there's too much Tom Brady. I think he's at the stage of his career where he's in the perfect situation. He has all these offensive weapons that surround him. He's smarter than Patrick Mahomes at this stage. And I think Brady comes out of this one on top because there's just too much going on right now in Tampa. And the Chiefs get upset in Super Bowl 55. Let's pull up our Twitter poll so we could read some of your guys' tweets live on air as well as update this thing 85 votes are in, 60% of people are picking the Kansas City Chiefs, and 40% of people are picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm surprised the Bucs even got 40%. Perhaps they earned some you know, respect of some folks with that win over Aaron Rodgers, who will be the MVP of the NFL and the Green Bay Packers, maybe Brady got some respect back because it was lacking going into this week. Um... 
the Chiefs 60%, Bucks 40%. We do have some tweets. Let's read one. Bimbo Briscoe tweets the show. Bimbo says, at Buccaneers, defense will stifle Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady will riddle the Chiefs defense. Hashtag Bucks win. Bimbo, appreciate you tweeting the show. That's where I'm at, too. I don't know if Tom Brady is going to riddle the Chiefs D. I'm not willing to even go as far to say that, you know, that they're the Bucks D are going to shut down Patrick Mahomes. I just told you guys, I think it is going to be a very high-scoring, close, blow-for-blow Super Bowl, and that's what I want to watch. Like, football in 2020 was so great because we didn't know that we were going to get it that's how i opened up this show so much was on the line and they were so unsure how they were going to pull it off with masks social distancing covid this that and the other they pulled it off memorable season a ton of memorable games you guys see i got my baker stuff all around the studio great season to be in cleveland ohio as a browns fan but um just a great season altogether, and I think the perfect way to cap it off with all those first responders, you know, our healthcare heroes that will be in the audience in attendance for this Super Bowl in Florida that have already been vaccinated, they got their vaccines. I think the perfect way to end the goofiest NFL season of all time that was so difficult to pull off would be to have a high scoring crazy blow for blow memorable super bowl and i'm really really pulling for that's what we get i i know i picked the bucks i don't really have a dog in this fight either way if the chiefs win cool as a browns fan if the chiefs win it makes me look even better because i'm like well we lost to the team that won the whole thing so we were right there you know third best team type deal i'm not too concerned on that front i don't really have a dog in the fight i personally am a tom brady fan I think whenever you have a player of his magnitude, you have to enjoy the greatness. So I'm going to go ahead and, you know, pull for Brady, pull for the Bucks. But really, I don't care that much. I'm just pulling for a really entertaining game. As we coast off into the NFL offseason, and the offseason is underway, we had, you know, pro day, or we had the senior bowl. We're going to get into pro days, the combine, the draft, all those good things. I'm almost footballed out. I'm excited for a change of pace. I wonder if you guys are as well. Tweet me at NickPadone12. Tweet the show at Take because the next up, you guys know the drill, baseball season is here. And the Cleveland Indians, let's bring us back here locally, did something very, very, very interesting tonight. Almost breaking news right as I cracked this microphone to go on air to have this show conversation with you all on Wednesday nights that I love and that I enjoy doing this so much. But this one was tough. This one like borderline ruined my dinner caliber tough as the Indians re-signed Brian Shaw to a minor league deal. Honestly, I could not believe that. I could not believe that Brian Shaw would be back with the Indians. The Indians let him walk in free agency a few years back after he blew the World Series. My famous tweet, one of the fav- my favorite tweets that I've ever had the pleasure of sending, said, Brian Shaw, birthplace, Oakland, California. Golden State Warriors, Oakland, California. 
Brian Shaw blew a 3-1 to lead because he was atrocious in clutch situations. And I know it's just a minor league contract. I know it could just be an arm to get this team through spring training whenever, if ever, however spring training does happen, however it takes place. I just have to believe that there is some pitcher that just graduated from Mount Union that's looking for an opportunity to pitch at a spring training camp that could do better than what Brian Shaw does. Brian Shaw's best pitch at this stage of his career is his meatball that's 85 miles an hour right over the middle of the plate. His his best move is not his wind-up. It's not his footwork. It's the quick head spin that he does as he watches the ball launch 400 feet out of progressive field and it scares the hell out of me because he's one of those Terry Francona guys and I'm I'm growing really tired of that like as an Indians fan you I see I have my Indians dugout mugs with me on set every Sunday as a, a supporter of Cleveland baseball it sickens me that Brian Shaw is a Terry Francona guy. Like, if Terry Co- if Terry Francona is as smart as we all want him to be, and as we think he is the best manager in baseball, one of the greatest respected managers probably of all time, is he losing it a little bit? Like, this, this Brian Shaw obsession is nauseating. Is Brian Shaw guaranteed a position on the opening day lineup. Like if he is, if Brian Shaw is one of your active relievers on opening day, I don't know that I could watch the tribe. I I know that cuts so deep for me to say, but what's next? Do we bring back Michael Martinez? the last out of the 2016 World Series? Do we bring back Danny Salazar, who couldn't even get his fastball out of the 70s and into the 80s? This Brian Shaw signing that happened earlier today was so infuriating to me, I almost lost my dinner when I read it. It it ruined my whole afternoon. My disdain for this guy, I'm sure he's a great dude. But why Terry Francona continually thrusts him into clutch positions, he's an innings eater. I get it. Baseball guys like that. You know, that he could go out there and he could pitch the 6th, the 7th, the 8th, and probably the ninth, and give up three runs along the way. But if one of those runs is a walk-off game winner against the Minnesota Twins in a sold-out summer ballpark after everybody has these Pfizer vaccines in their arms, and... You're sending home an entire progressive field fan base disappointed. Then it brings back all the bad thoughts. It brings back the Frankie Lindor trade, the Carlos Carrasco trade, the fact that the Dolans are inept and too cheap to spend money on free agents and that the best you could get is Brian Shaw. I fear for this franchise and for this fan base, more importantly, if Brian Shaw has a position on this team for opening day as an active reliever that the Indians will use. I hope I'm wrong. I get that they got rid of Simber. They got rid of Brad Hand. Those were your two guys. But you have Karen Check. You have Emmanuel Class A, the moron kid that did horse steroids that you got in the Corey Kluber trade that threw 100 when he was on the juice. 
I hope and I pray that we don't have Brian Shaw moonshots going over myself and everyone else's head in the bleachers in progressive field because that's a very easy way to have your summer spoiled as we've seen that man spoil so many games for Cleveland in the past. This is something that I'm beyond passionate about. I don't think he was very good when he's here. Um, he went to Colorado, which could have been the dumbest thing, career move that he made, because if you thought his pitches went a long way out of progressive field, you should have seen what happened to them in the high altitude. His uh, you know, ERA was in the fours. There was no, I'll leave it to you like this. There is not a long list of people that were actively looking to acquire Brian Shaw. It was actually quite a short list. Let me read you those names on that list. One, the Cleveland Indians. Two, nobody else. If the Indians didn't do this move, Brian Shaw would not be in the league. I can't believe that it happened, quite frankly, Um what is going on? Any average Joe that's watching this stream right now, if I got you and if I paid for two weeks with Major League Baseball caliber you know, hitting talent and I put you in the batter's box after two weeks, just two weeks against Brian Shaw, I bet you you'd be able to hit 300 off of him. I bet out of every 10 pitches that Brian Shaw threw your way, you'd be able to put three of them in the field of play with just two weeks. Any average Joe, myself included, that hasn't swung a baseball bat since fifth grade when I batted last and played the outfield because I was horrible. Two weeks with the pitching coach is all it could take, and you'd be able to do okay against that guy. That, that's all I have to say about that. I am optimistic about the Tribe. I don't want to sound like I'm not. And we're going to talk minimal Tribe throughout the rest of this offseason. Definitely more as we lead into opening day. I like the Eddie Rosario signing a lot. I think it would it provides the you know offense, especially in the middle, with a lot of pop. If you could get Jose Ramirez, Eddie Rosario, Josh Naylor, Franmil Reyes, if you could get all those guys hitting at the same time, this is a team that has a lot of power and they could hit a lot of home runs. And that was the knack on the Indians legitimately for the last five or six years. That power is there now. Now the question is, can they all sustain it? And are these guys talented enough to use that power and to use that talent into winning baseball games? The Brian Shaw signing makes me nervous of that. I think the rotation will be okay. They're relying on some young arms. We'll see what we have there. Boy, not a fan. As much of a fan as I was about the Eddie Rosario signing, I was singing that from the rooftops. I was so excited. Complete inverse, complete opposite as it pertains to Brian Shaw. Not excited about that one at all. Let's get into some NFL head coaching grades because all of the head coaching vacancies that were vacant are now filled. I can't believe that it kind of happened pretty quick. The Super Bowl isn't even over yet. All the bad teams, the bottom of the barrel, they were able to fight and scrap and claw over their retired head coaches and coordinators. As a Browns fan, I'm so glad that my favorite team was not in this mix for once. Felt really nice. Let's go into these. Let's give them some grades kind of a weird list there's a few that like going into this it would be like okay i didn't think that guy would get a head coaching job obviously the big one not on here is chiefs offensive coordinator eric Bieniemy. 
that's tough. It, it really is. I wish he could have gotten a job solely as a fan of the sport. Leave the race stuff out of it. I wanted to see what Eric Bieniemy could do as a head coach. If he would be able to have that same kind of creativity with the bottom, you know, of the barrel roster. Like say the Atlanta Falcons were the team that were able to hire Eric Bieniemy. Like, would he be able with some of the speed on that roster, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, the other younger receivers that they have, Matty Ice or a younger quarterback, could he replicate some of that offensive success that he's established with Andy Reid in Kansas City? That evidently is the question that everyone else had as well as they made the hires as he was not granted a head coaching job let's start at the top let's get the first one going the jacksonville jaguars hired urban meyer i give this one a b and the reason why is it's so unclear as if it will work urban meyer is a winner i feel that the jacksonville jaguars still have another year of rebuild left into them it's not going to be instant success overnight like urban overnight like urban meyer has had in some of his previous stops i don't think it will be that you know at florida at ohio state and he took those losses like brutally like they were the end of the world that cannot happen to urban meyer with the jacksonville jaguars because they are going to lose football games but the fact that the jaguars who there's obviously the proud owners of the number one pick they have a lot of draft capital they have young talent on that team laviscus chenault dj chark those receivers are good james robinson their running back is good miles jack some of the defensive key players are still there that played in that afc championship game that was a quarter away of playing in a super bowl i do think it could be good if urban could make the jump the fact that they were able to talk him out of retirement and that they had the kahunes to go out there and to get their guy that's what gets it a b for me this time next year it very well easily could be an a if urban meyer is a gigantic success and they win more games than people expected but it also could be an f if he completely loses the locker room it's not college you're not scouting which is what urban meyer was so tremendous at you're not convincing kids to enroll in your program i think it could go one of two ways really well or really bad really well being that you're winning a ton and really poorly being that some nasty reports and other stink comes out of jaguars like we've seen with other teams before robert sala was hired by the jets that's our next one i'm giving that a c and i know people are like what like some people graded that an a plus move for the jets they have the second overall pick they could create the most enticing package to trade for deshaun watson i talked about that on this show last week go back and listen put on my take on demand for free apple podcasts and spotify i don't see the fit to hire a defensive minded coach when you're going to be drafting the quarterback of the future you have a lot of cap space acquired you probably need to go out there and sign a big name wide receiver whether it's kenny galladay whether it's juju smith schuster it's just puzzling to me that robert sala that's where he ends up in new york with the jets 
because their defense is underwhelming. They have Quinn and Williams. They have a few pieces where if they're looking to trade it away, the Browns, as a fan of Cleveland, the Browns should be in that mix. But to me, I just didn't see the fit. I think Robert Salah will be a very good head coach in the National Football League. But right now, with what the Jets are kind of building up, I thought that they would be more suited to take a swing at one of the offensive mastermind type things because you're going to have a young quarterback. You need some offensive weapons. So to go defense, they definitely zagged while everyone else was zigging. They went against the grid big time. Curious to see how it pays off. I personally don't see the fit. So I'm giving that one a C. Eagles hire Nick Serrani, who was recently the Colts offensive coordinator. I give that one a B plus solely because people speak about this guy extremely highly, that he was extremely collaborative with Frank Reich, that he would that that Colts offense was good. Like they were able to be good with Phillip Rivers at quarterback in his last season in the National Football League. I think that's a good move for Nick Serrani. It became extremely apparent that it was not you know everybody that it wasn't what we thought with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz that marriage wasn't meant to last I like the change of pace I like getting Serrani in there excited to see how that one plays out Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell I'm giving that one a C the intro press conference turned me off I'll be completely honest I don't know much about Dan Campbell I obviously know some of his roots, some of his coaching tree, but that intro press conference was weird. It screamed football guy. It screamed yelly, screamy guy. I don't know as the Lions look to rebuild this, they hired John Dorsey, if that's the guy that's going to be there long-term. To me, that looks like the guy that could be there for the two or three years that the Lions tank and lose and keep acquiring draft picks. They you know, they got a ton already from the Matt Stafford trade. That was awesome. They did get Jared Goff as well. I think Dan Campbell could be the guy in two years. They give the boot and they look for somebody that's for real to go in there and to start winning games when they feel ready to do so. That was a weird one. Brandon Staley was a weird, weird one as well. He's a defensive coach. I know he's from the area. He John Carroll product, I believe. He lost Pep Hamilton, though. The best, highly respected quarterbacks coach in the league. You lose. That doesn't bode well for you. I'm giving this one a C. Again, it's a weird fit. You have Justin Herbert, who is so promising, probably should be the rookie of the year. You have Keenan Allen. You have Mike Williams. You know, you have offensive firepower dare I say if Justin Herbert is who we thought he is and who we think he is after this rookie campaign to hire a defensive minded coach was a bit puzzling but it could work because that Chargers D is pretty good too they do have you know Joey Boza who they just gave a big extension to they have Derwin James who didn't play much if at all this year they they do have some pieces defensively that Make it an enticing hire. I'm going to give it a C. I think that one could pan out to be a B, though, because the Chargers are set up nicely. I do like the pieces that they have there in LA. And last but not least, rounding this thing out, Arthur Smith, former Titans offensive coordinator, 
is the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons now. I'm going to give that one a B plus. Again, same with Sirianni. I think the boom potential there is very big. You have Matt Ryan. Do you trade him? Do you keep him? That's to be foreseen. You have a top 10 pick. You could be in that Zach Wilson market. If Zach Wilson is there, if you draft him, if he's good, I know that's a lot of ifs. They have the pieces in place. You have Calvin Ridley there. You have some, you know, flexibility, movability with what you could do with the running back position. I think you get an offensive coordinator that had a great, immense success with Derrick Henry, or, you know, with Henry, with Ryan Tannehill, with A.J. Brown and, you know, Corey Davis, those dynamic receiving duo that just exploded out of nowhere onto the scene in Tennessee. That's Atlanta's calling card anyways with Matty Ice is to get him to throw the ball 40 times for 500 yards and usually a loss. I think as long as Arthur Smith has it all put together up here where, you know, obviously, you know, their their former coach, I'm blanking on his name. I gave him so much grief at the beginning of the season where he was lost. I think Atlanta could have kind of a quick turnaround. Those are my head coaching grades. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Quickly, we need to get into here's what's trending. Alrighty, what's trending on Padone? My take this week, where we go around what's trending in the world of sports and beyond. This week, we're sticking right here in the world of sports. Courtside Karen, that's the big trend, the big on court beef that this 25 year old woman had altercation with LeBron James courtside at the Atlanta Hawks versus Los Angeles Lakers game in Atlanta the other day. This lady went off at LeBron. Supposedly, LeBron and her husband like exchanged some trash talk. Her husband was sitting courtside. As it turns out, this lady is 25. Her husband is very much older. That's a big reason why the story trended in the first place. And her husband is noted not a LeBron fan. He's posted on social media all kinds of junk against LeBron. He's very wealthy. He sits courtside at almost all the games. Doesn't think highly of LeBron at all. He and his wife exchanged some words and LeBron is turning around and jabbing at him. The lady gets thrown out. She takes to Twitter and Instagram, social media, and is posting all these nasty videos saying that LeBron's a bum, that nobody likes him. I can't believe the whole thing happened in the first place. Um, you know, LeBron is usually the guy that takes the higher road. It was kind of cool to see that interaction post game. He said fans need to be courtside. You know, they asked him about the mask and he said, I wasn't close enough. My teammates weren't close enough to her, despite the fact that she pulled the mask down sitting in courtside seats with the NBA COVID protocols that are definitely tightening up. Now he, he said he likes that the fans are back there and back in courtside seats because he needs that kind of interaction and that kind of camaraderie with the fans that's what drives him I thought that was very interesting to say for LeBron but for this courtside Karen and for the argument of should fans be courtside I'm in LeBron's camp on this one too I think fans if if you got the cash in a pandemic and if you got the mask on you, you could sit there. The NBA is kind of strapped for cash right now. They had to minimize an entire season and toss it in a bubble and do all kinds of trickered, trickery wizard work with the TV deals that made last season happen. They're not exactly in a great position financially, 
post-pandemic are the NBA. If people, if if these teams are willing to sell the tickets and people have the dough to deal it out, I personally have no problem with people sitting courtside. I, I think it's one of the biggest, you know, money generating factors in sports. I was just crapping on the Dolans in my Indian segment. That's their, you know, philosophy too. They think all the fans, but especially the fans that buy premium seating, you know, like the the Joe Schmo fans like myself, you know, a couple years back when I was 18, 19, 20 years old that would buy $8 Loudville tickets on a Wednesday to go watch the Cavs play. I'm not really moving the needle for Dan Gilbert. Same with the the Indians tickets. You know, if you buy $4 tickets on a Wednesday at 1 p.m. to go sit up top of the bleachers and then go sneak down the third baseline, you're not really moving the needle for the Dolans. Your, Your sale isn't really doing a lot. They're probably running your ticket and your attendance at a loss for that price. So if the teams could afford to have these premium seating options available, I have no problem with it. It's been an issue in the past with some of the race issues, fans screaming obscenities down there. That's the thing. People need to know how to handle themselves in these courtside seats. Obviously, that lady was freaking nuts. The fact that she has the nickname Courtside Karen, and even LeBron has referred to her as Courtside Karen, that's all you need to know. That lady's nuts. But people need to be able to handle themselves in those seats. Obviously, trash talking happens, I guess. I've sat courtside, feet on the hardwood before, and I was I, I didn't say a word. I, I cheered, I fist bumped. Like I was fired up when something good would happen, but no part of me thought like, Hey, you know, it would be fun. Let's start, you know, a fight. Let's, let's start an argument with the players on the court. Like, no, maybe I'm different. Maybe I'm mentally more mature than courtside Karen. I surely would hope that I am, even though she's somehow only three years older than me. Jeez. She's nuts. As People need to be able to handle themselves in the premium seating. And I think for the most part, they are. The NBA plays how many games? You know, 41 home games at each stadium take place each season. And typically, on average, you know, there's about one to two incidents each year total. So of all the 30 teams, all 82 games that happen throughout the year, all the NBA games that take place, only two instances happen each year. I feel like it's a small problem. You don't need to take away floor seats. That's part of the experience of the game. That's what makes, you know, attending games at the arena so fun is you could celebrate loud so the players could hear you, you could boo the players, etc., etc. Obviously, that lady was nuts. She stood up out of her seat. She was pointing like the cat meme, and she paid the price. She got thrown out. That's all I have to say there. That is what's trending in the world of sports. Thank you guys for hanging out. What a fantastic hour. So much fun. We covered a lot of bases as it pertains to the Super Bowl, head coaching grades, Brian Shaw, and Karen's. I thank you all for hanging out, for making each Wednesday so fun, whether you're listening live streaming on Periscope, whether you're listening as a subscriber on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. I appreciate you. Make sure to subscribe. Leave a five-star review, Apple Pod, Spotify. We have some huge 
big, dare I say, butt-kicking, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, guests in the pipeline. You're not going to want to miss some A-list guests that you guys have heard of. Don't go anywhere. Huge thanks to Dugout Mugs. Go check them out, dugoutmugs.com slash bigplay. I'm in the dugout, and you can be too. Real-life baseball bats hollowed out and turned into the perfect off-season baseball mug because the off-season won't be the off-season for very much longer. Go get your hands on one of these bad boys today. Huge thanks to them. Thank you all again. Go live your life. Go have some fun. Hug a loved one. You all deserve it so much. Same bat time, same bat channel next week. Goodbye.